Uh, I wanted today's sermon to be very um, practical and helpful in regards to our prayer life. Entering into the heart of God, the meaning and methods of prayer. This means an awful lot to me um, because I, I am only in my 60s learning how to pray. It's uh, been a long time coming. Imagine what it would be like and how different our lives would be if moment by moment we were able to enjoy direct communion with God. How would that change the way we experience ourselves and how we experience others and how we experience the world? To be able to see things, experience things on a totally different level all the time just by being continuously in God's presence and experiencing his life in all of its power flowing through us. That would be something amazing, wouldn't it? This is prayer. To live that way. To have the blessings of God's spirit powerfully manifesting itself in our lives at all times. That's what prayer is. And that is a life of prayer, what we were describing. It's God's method of changing the world. It's through prayer. You can think about some examples here. Martin Luther, he was not satisfied with the state of things in his day. And he was professor of theology at the University of Wittenberg. I did go to Wittenberg just to visit that site. He locked himself into a room in the tower of the Black Montessori, and during the winter of 18, or 1512, for one purpose, to pray and to study God's word. Now what happened as a result of that? He went to the Lord to pray. Things needed to be different. He went to the Lord to pray. What came out of that? Protestant Reformation turned the world. He understood that. He knew firsthand the value of prayer. Once, when the pressures of the day were so great, he was asked how he was going to accomplish it all. His response said, The only way I am going to get all the things that I need to do done is to do spend three more hours in prayer. Those are the kind of things that it has taken me over 60 years to understand. That really my planning, you know, my uh, study, whatever it is, I've always felt like I had to put in it all that time myself and work extra hard myself to make it all happen. That I finally am beginning to understand and practicing more and more of just waiting upon the Lord. Not to try to kill myself in all the preparation, but to wait upon the Lord and let him make up the difference. And he's doing it amazingly. So Martin Luther understood that. Now there are others that did as well. John Wesley. He gave birth to the Methodist revival in England as well as in the United States. And he credited it all to the Lord. Now this man was a great student. This man was a hard worker. He just never stopped working. He was a hard working man. 
But he understood that it wasn't his efforts and it wasn't his scholarship, great as those things were, that made the difference. It was prayer. And so out of that, of course, came uh, the great revival that came to America. You can go back into the 1800s and you can see that others understood this as well. Charles Finney and Dwight L. Murdy, Moody and Spurgeon. Uh, all you have to do is go back and study some of their writings and I have enjoyed doing that recently. Studying those writings have helped me to understand that these men had the ability to change. Uh, they understood that the Lord was using them to change the world of their day. What an awesome thing. The Lord was using them to change the world of their day. And they were learning that if you want to have power, you go where? To the Lord in prayer. This is an amazing thing the Lord has offered to us. Some of these names you won't recognize, but I remember when I was growing up, Paul Cho was a, um, a great pastor in Korea, young Korean preacher in 1958. He went to Korea and pitched his tent on the outside of Seoul to hold meetings. He was so poor, the winter was so cold, the tent was his home, and he slept there in the tent right beside the pulpit. Overwhelmed with the hopelessness of his labors, at that time there were not many Christians in Korea, he began spending the entire night in prayer, Paul Cho. Eventually, people started to come, and eventually he had about 50 people that would join him in prayer. Now, how are you going to win a nation for the Lord? Prayer. Prayer is how you win a nation for the Lord. Paul Cho prayed first for the people, and then for the nation, and then for himself. And one out of that experience, a great revival, uh, came over the entire country. And at a time, uh, the membership of his church was became the largest church in the entire in the whole planet. Five hundred thousand people, as a result of prayer. It was growing at 100,000 per year. <laughs> that was a few years ago, but this continues to happen. Um, the people would follow their pastor's example. They became people of prayer. They would arise at five in the morning just to spend at least an hour in prayer before they started their day. They understood that things didn't go right until they did that. And so they started with prayer. They spent all Friday night in prayer. Uh, they had what they called a prayer mountain at the time. It was capable of housing 10,000 people. And their total soul function was praying. Can you imagine that? And God made amazing things happen. Because these people expected it of God. And it was God's revival, not theirs. That's quite an amazing story, Paul Joe. Prayer is transformational. While man is looking for better methods, what is God looking for? Better men. How do people become better men? From the Lord. 
The Lord is the only one that can make better men. Better men who are willing to be forged, stretched beyond every conceivable thought. We cannot even in our mind imagine what is capable and what God will do. But people of prayer know that God can do that. And they allow him to do that. They won't go without him. Every inner recess of the soul examined and altered. When you start praying, what I'm learning about prayer is when you start praying, you open up your entire heart. And God starts doing some massive restructuring of who you are. And it's amazing to go through that. Everything is open to be examined and altered. God does it through his Holy Spirit. Senses are rewritten. What all of these things that we have to keep touch of the world around us, that tell us about the world around us, or tell us even about ourselves, all need to be reprogrammed because they've been destroyed by sin. Isn't that right? And so one of the things that God has to do, he's got to remap all of our senses so that they tell us the right kind of things rather than what they are, have been telling us. Do you follow what I'm saying? We see things daily and we make conclusions. So I see things and I think I know what those things mean. But when God talks to me, you know what he tells me? Something entirely different that hadn't even occurred to me. He is re-educating my senses to see things differently. And that's what prayer is all about. Our senses, our ears, what we hear. As we open up God's word, since I've been learning this, I, you've heard me talk this morning even about this Friday night study that we have just in the book of Genesis. We take one chapter at a time, a small group, and we read the chapter first thing we do is we pray and we read the chapter and then we're quiet and we ask the Lord personally privately no one's speaking tell us why this chapter is here and why you saved it for all of these generations what is it you want us to know about it and invariably God will bring something to our mind that changes our being in each one of those chapters because he's the instructor. And it's not head knowledge. It's actually heart knowledge that is changing us. And he brings things to us that we can't even imagine. And it's exciting. It is exciting to see that. The Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we're never going to be able to comprehend and become like God just by our own thinking. Prayer is what we need because prayer is the venue where God comes in and remodels our soul during prayer. I want to say that one more time. During prayer, he remodels our soul. Hmm. Christians today behave, I read this somewhere, as deists. Deists were those people in, in um, uh, William Miller's day that believed that, you, that God was up there and he just kind of operated like a clockmaker and he wind up the clock and then he went off and did something else and that's the only involvement he had. He just started the process. He wasn't around anymore. Christians in prayer almost 
practice that. In other words, we talk to God, but we don't really expect him to do anything, you know. We just, I don't know why we do it. And theists are people that believe that God is there. And things are going to happen. And that's how important prayer is. Prayer was the source of Jesus' life. He spent massive amounts of time in prayer. We have three verses in scripture that tell us that he rose up a great while before day. He went out and departed into a solitary place because it was a time that he wanted to be with God and no one else. And there he prayed. Great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and what? In the face of overwhelming challenges, where did Jesus go? In the face of overwhelming challenges, where did Paul Cho go? Where did John Wesley go? You know, where did Martin Luther go? And anybody that has become anybody knows that you go to the Lord in prayer. He's the thing, the only one that can actually make things different. It came to pass in those days that he went into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. There are times when there is nothing that will satisfy my heart than to be alone with God for hours and hours and hours. When there are things that I'm so burdened about or I'm feeling so empty and so lost, confused, uncertain, I just need to be alone with God. And hours can go by. And it's amazing. It's almost like there's darkness and then pictures start coming on. And I can start, and my mind starts functioning, and I'm not in control of my mind as far as figuring out what thoughts are coming in. They just come in. You've experienced it. And God is saying to me in these various things, he's saying amazing things to me. He's causing me to rethink things, reconsider things. God is reprogramming me. And he brings me in on the process. Jesus understood that. I like this quote from, uh, well, Ellen White. Uh, it's, all, it's in several places. The one I like is that of Reflecting Christ, a little devotional book. Look at it with me, will you? In one way only could such a life of Jesus be sustained. Jesus lived in dependence upon God and communion with him. To the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, men now and then repair. They abide for a season, and the result is manifest in noble deeds. Did you see cause and effect? In prayer, noble deeds. Then their faith fails. The communion is interrupted, and the life work is marred. But the life of Jesus was not so. It was a life of constant trust, sustained by continual communion, and his service for heaven and earth was without failure or faltering. Isn't that powerful? You would expect that to be so. As a man, he supplicated the throne of God until his humanity was what? Charged with a heavenly current that connected humanity with divinity. He was charged with being the Savior, of you know, mending the rift. And the Lord gave him insights into humanity and insights into divinity and how to make that all come together. Um, our lives need to be 
lives of prayer all the time. Receiving life from God, he imparted life to men. And so whenever Jesus spoke, he almost didn't have to think ahead of time about what he was going to say. Because he trusted that the Holy Spirit would just speak through him. His frontal lobe wasn't the only thing that he counted on. The Holy Spirit helped him almost instantaneously to see a clue in someone's eye. He knew exactly what they needed. And he was able to respond on the fly. How many people are like that? And yet we all have been invited to be like that and can be like that. As she says in Desire of Ages 363, his experience is to be ours. More than anything else, God wants it to be this way through our prayers. So the disciples, noticing that Jesus was such an effective prayer, <laughs> they ask him to teach them how to pray. In prayer, Jesus seemed to be in the very presence of God. I remember, this is not just Jesus. Anybody that has this experience can have this kind of thing where when they pray, you almost feel like you're right there in the heavenly sanctuary. And everything that is happening there is somehow there in the room with you. You're right there. Um, one of the comments, and I was looking for it in this um, preparation, I couldn't find it. Uh, it seemed to be from Healdsburg at a camp meeting years and years ago. I was interested in this because I was standing at the site where the old camp meeting was at. And when Ellen Y would go to her knees and pray, you remember this woman, this woman almost without fail daily was in the presence of God. I mean, her prophetic gift enabled that to happen. And so when she prayed, the people in the camp meeting, there was a hush that came over the entire group when she prayed because they felt like they were in the very presence of God. Things happen when prayer takes place. Though entering prayer weak, Jesus always came forth empowered. Even Jesus could get exhausted and empty. And he needed to go to prayer to be recharged. Prayer is the breath of the soul. Now, you've heard that quote, but let me just explain as I see that, what that means. Do you remember when Adam was formed? Well, the story you remember, you weren't there. Taking clay and formed it, and then God himself put his arms around Adam. And he put his lips on Adam's lips, and he breathed himself into him. Life. Prayer is the breath of the soul. In prayer, God breathes that life into us. So prayer is not about all of those requests that just we bring to him. It's much more about opening up us to what God is going to reveal to us in prayer. We're the receiving end, not the giving end, giving the request. It's what we receive that really is important. Prayer is God's time. As uh, Harold read to us today, be still and know that I am God. Abraham had to learn to be still, no matter how long it took for the promises to be fulfilled. He had to be quiet. 
And over those years, decades and decades and decades, Abraham had the opportunity to understand and comprehend as he went to the mountain in the morning where he had built the altar and he kept moving from site to site and he just met God there. And over a period of time, Abraham's character was rewritten. His senses were changed. His whole being was changed. That even the people around him that were pagans and foreigners recognized Abraham was a holy man. And it happened as a result of prayer. Think of the people on the street where you live. If they knew that and saw you the way those people saw Abraham. A holy man. A holy man. They treat you differently, and things would happen that would not happen otherwise. Moses had to learn patience. He was given the job of leading a very stubborn people, very stubborn. And over the years, Moses would go into the sanctuary, and he would kneel down before the Lord. And sometimes he would be angry when he would go. Sometimes he would be overwhelmed and discouraged, you know, and he would be reminded by God of what he needed to be aware of. And his thoughts would be changed and he would come out of the sanctuary just like Jesus recharged. Difference prayer can bring about. David. Now David was a, um, a warrior. And um, he was anointed by God for the job of being the next king, but he was hunted and had to wait until God was ready to put him in that position. And he, like all of us with Moses and with Abraham, had to learn the virtue of being still and just waiting upon the Lord. That's what the Lord wants to teach us in prayer. We must individually hear him speaking to the heart. When every other voice is hushed and in the quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. We should not lead prayer until we feel that. We should wait there. Um, where did these learn to do these things? In prayer. Abraham, Moses, David. In prayer, God rewrites who we are and how we should live our life. Prayer requires a lot of listening. Prayer is the result of hearing. The Hebrews had this Shema that they would say every morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Shema is here. Here. And it comes in the New Testament, Romans 5, verse 19. The word hupakoi, which is a Greek word. Shema is Hebrew and hupakoi is Greek. And it means to hear. The opposite of hear is parakol, which is neglecting to hear. But it is also translated disobedience. If we hear God in prayer, we will obey. If we don't hear, if we leave the prayer before hearing really what it is that God wants to tell us, we will go from prayer disobeying. Because we haven't heard what God wants us to do. We will continue in the disobedience. He that is of God heareth God's words. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now we're talking about hearing by way of God through prayer. 
not just simply reading God's word, but listening to God tell us what that word means and helping it, him to apply it to our lives. Isaiah says, incline or stretch your ear and come to me here that your soul might live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. He therefore, that it's hard to read that part, isn't it? He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you doeth the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Of course it's by the hearing of faith. Um, if you don't hear, you're not of God. Prayer is a time when we hear what God has to tell us. God must be in control of our prayer life. What I'm saying now is against this idea of just simply going to prayer and throwing out our agenda to the Lord. We should be more inclined to go to prayer and say, Lord, what is it you want me to know? What do I need in my life? Help me to reorient my life. Speak to me. Teach me the things that you would want me to know. If allowed, he will shape our prayers to accomplish his will in us. Expect the Holy Spirit to take over in prayer. Pay attention to how it's moving. Trust it. What does it make you aware of? Adventists have a problem. Excuse me. I'm picking on Adventists because I'm an Adventist and I can pick up on myself here. We have a problem of being so law-oriented or Bible-oriented that we just have our head filled with all kinds of stuff. We need to have a whole lot more of God's Holy Spirit to know what to do with all of that information. To be guided by it. What does God make you aware of when you read the verse? What does God make you aware of when you think about the problems in your life or the challenges that are taking place or the sins, whatever it may be? That's what the Holy Spirit will do and it will do it during prayer because that's when you take the time to listen. It will tune your senses to God. You remember Gehazi? He thought he could see perfectly well. But when the prophet prayed for him, what did he see? A totally different picture, right? How often in my ministry I thought I knew the right thing to do. When I go to prayer, I find out, oops, it's a total different direction that we should be taking. People involved in the Lord's work, that includes all of us here today, need to be sure that we're doing the Lord's work. We have to see what God sees. David prayed in the Psalms, his heart, and through those prayers, his heart was transformed into a heart like unto God's. He simply opened up his heart to the Lord in these psalms, and God changed his heart. David talked about what was troubling him, and God spoke to David, and God revealed to David the things that God was concerned about, and David became a different person, a heart like unto the Lord. Prayer is the only thing that can do that. Allow God to be in control of your prayer life. He transforms our minds and our hearts during prayer. Humans are basically meaning makers, and God's main work in prayer is to supply the meaning that we need to life. Reflecting on things that we have experienced, we wonder, well, what does that mean, or why did that happen? And God can cause us to understand and to see things spiritually, which will cause meaning to come to us. Anticipating things we will experience, we take those to the Lord, our anticipations, and God will then prepare us for what lies ahead. It may be totally different than what we thought.
but we need to be where God's at. Reflecting on scripture, what was going on in the story, as well as what's going on in the entire Bible. And our senses need to be rewritten. Uh, let me show you, I put down here senses and beliefs and feelings and wants and actions. Take a look at this. A few years ago, I took a class that was entitled, several years ago, of the uh, on communication, couples communication. And one of the things that they did was show the result of years and years and years of research. And basically, the whole individual life is composed of those particular five different areas. Sensory data, thoughts and feelings and wants and actions. So when you're talking to people, you pretty much, to get the whole picture, you have to kind of cover all of those various different five components. And each one of those five components, we have to talk to the Lord about. We have to talk to him about, well, what is it that I think is going on, that my senses are telling me? What, what am I hearing? What am I seeing? What am I, you know, what am I sensing? And then, what do I believe? And what are my interpretations and expectations? What are my thoughts about these things? It, we're going to have wrong conclusions about these things unless we talk to the Lord about them. We'll come up with a total different picture sometimes from the Lord. And our feelings, our emotions, the power of each individual comes from here down. All the power is here. This is where the power is at. Um, always from our wants and our feelings drive us. And our actions, things in the past, the present, the future, all of these things, all five of these domains are things that we have to talk about. What that does, it allows the Lord to help us to discover the meaning in our life as we do this. Do we do this when we pray? Do we talk about these things? Do we think about them? Are our prayers just really down to the shallow area? This will take us down to who we really are. And help us to figure out. We will find out that maybe we have for decades and decades been going down in a rut and we will go to our dying day in that rut unless we do something like this and the Lord talks to us about it, helps us to get out of that rut. Think about Jesus. Think about all of these individuals and how God had to come into their life in a powerful way the Holy Spirit and teach them a whole new way of seeing the world around them. Making us whole rather than schizophrenic. That's what prayer can do. If we keep the Lord ever before us, allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to Him, we shall have a continual freshness in our religious life. Our prayers will take the form of a conversation with God as we would talk with a friend. He will speak his mysteries to us personally. Did you see that sentence? He will speak his mysteries to us personally. Often there will be, uh, there will come to us a sweet, joyful sense of the presence of Jesus. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. And often our hearts will burn within us as he draws nigh to commune with us as he did with Enoch. This is from this lady who had daily experiences with God. She's just simply telling what happened to her as a result of that. So the basic purpose of prayer is to make us better lovers. God is love. And in prayer, he's going to teach us how to love. Love is the primary language of prayer. It is who God is, and it must be a primary language of the heart. In prayer, 
Be prepared to love your enemies. <laughs> That's what he'll do. He'll help you to love your enemies. Changes us completely about that. Love, doing things that formerly you despised. Uh, how can you possibly love things that formerly you despised? I'm going to tell you something. There are certain annoyances that I have vulnerabilities to. My mother-in-law lives with us now. And that challenges my soul at times. <laughs> uh, I love her, but that challenges my soul. She has a way of doing things that are, I think, dangerous. And she has a way of avoiding the discussion of these things completely. And so it can be very frustrating to me. And I've talked to the Lord frequently about this because I don't want to destroy, hurt her, and I certainly don't want to upset my wife, but I often do. And I have been talking to the Lord about this. And you know what the Lord's doing to me? He's not talking to my head. He's talking to my heart. And he has now given me a love for her that I didn't have before. A love that completely is strong enough to overcome all of the resistance that I have feel, felt towards her. And she's now turning out because of that love to be a better person. Imagine that in my eyes. It's really interesting. Now, how did that happen? Did it happen because I determined to be different? I just opened the pain, the hurt, the concern to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I just don't want to go down this path the way it's going. I don't know how to change. And I just left it there. And then all of a sudden, a whole new thing comes into my life, an attitude of love for her. It's changed me. I hope it stays. I, there's still some challenge going there, but it's, it's helping, enormously helping. It's, if, love is, if prayer is not making you more loving, you are resisting are closing yourself off to God because God is love. If there's anything that would happen in prayer, it's going to be making you more of a loving person. So we must re-examine where we went wrong and correct it if it's not making us more loving. In any area of our life where we're finding deficiencies or we're finding confusion, was Jesus ever confused about anything? Did Jesus have deficiencies? He had tiredness. But he always had what he needed because he went to the mountain to get refreshed, invigorated. And wherever we have deficiencies, wherever we have problems in our life, prayer is the place that we need to be. They will change. God will change all of those things. We won't have confusion and uh, uncertainties. Now, one of the things that I've also learned is that cherish sin sabotages prayer. Um, and I'm just going to be frank with you. Um, if you watch TV, you know that there are news stations. Nowadays, they've got news channels, 24-hour news channels. Have any of you started listening to those things? Well, if you have, you notice that they breed all kinds of anxiety. Sometimes just outright anger. <laughs> right? You can't pray. 
and do that at the same time. It just blocks off prayer. And so if we have sin or if we're cherishing sin or if we have these attitudes, they will sabotage prayer. They will, they're very powerful. We've got to get rid of these things. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear me. That is if we hold on to it. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. And if the Lord has told us to do certain things and we refuse to do them, it will close down prayer. You ask, but you receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. The Lord is not going to be trifled with. He wants sincere honesty and complete vulnerability, and then prayer can accomplish some amazing things. Prayer makes us the house of God. Now that's curious. Okay. Know ye not that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, my house shall be called a house of prayer. God has long waited for a house of prayer. Not just filled with people, but filled with people that are praying. Like those 10,000 people that were in the mountain of the Lord in Korea and prayed all Friday night. You know, turned half a million people foreign religion foreign country made him avid Christians it's amazing Bill Hybels teaching his congregation how to pray and wherever this takes place changes take place we need to be better at this we need to be clay in the Lord's hands in prayer and he can do some amazing things and we know that right around the corner, there is some amazing things soon to befall us as a, as a Christian church, Seventh-day Adventist church. And there's no way that the things that we're told that are around the corner are going to happen if we are not a praying church. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their ears. Ask, it shall be given. Seek, you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receives, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good gifts to them that ask of him? God is waiting to do this. Satan cannot endure to have his powerful rival appeal to, that is Jesus. For he fears and trembles before his strength and majesty. At the sound of fervent prayer, Satan's whole host trembles. He knows he just falls when the church finally becomes the house of prayer. And when angels all-powerful, clothed with the armory of heaven, come to the help of the fainting pursued soul, Satan and his hosts fall back, well knowing that their battle is lost. Prayer. Prayer is the secret for success. And I wanted to talk to you about it today because it is working for me. I'm pretty young in this journey, you know, but God is teaching me some wonderful things. We probably all could share with each other what God is teaching us about prayer. It's absolutely astounding. Great power. Understanding what life is about. Not having to worry about results. Because God takes care of those. Solving the problems. Always having the energizing capability of the Holy Spirit to bring about what needs to be done. 
Are there some things that you prayed for for a long, long time? Instead of just asking, wait upon the Lord. Open your soul to the Lord. Let the Lord work in your life in a powerful way. Because more people come to the Lord by being exposed to a godly person than you could ever imagine. And prayer has the ability of making us godly people. God just doesn't want to answer our, our requests and still have us remain the same. He wants to transform us and through us transform the world. Prayer is the venue for miracles. It's the venue for godliness. May God help me on my journey and you on your journey as we uh, attempt to draw closer to the Lord in prayer. We want Lord and we know where to get that. Even though we might read our Bibles and serve thee in so many ways, it's only when our soul is still and we are in the quiet moment, retreated from all other things that it would interrupt and alone with you, and are not pushing our agenda, but are there to hear whatever it is you want to talk to us about, about whatever thing, and that you would like to open our eyes and even remodel and change our lives so that in a moment we can become different. Thank you for prayer, for all the power to invigorate, to change, to heal that comes through those moments. Oh, for a church that needs that more than anything else, to be alone with you and to be transformed by you. May we give you more time than we ever have. And may we be still and quiet in prayer, there to listen to you more than we ever have. In Jesus' name I pray.